today. That is the intimacy you have between friends and family, right? There is some emotional intimacy between friends and family, Um, not really physical, um, but certainly supportive and emotional intimacy as well. So that's at your first level of friends and family. Level two, spouses, right? There's a very big emotional intimacy, good and bad, right? (laughs) With spouses, uh, it's more not just emotional intimacy, but there's also touch and audible intimacy. And even there's a level of spiritual intimacy that comes between a man and a wife. Even sex. I said it, right? (laughs) That comes between that type of intimacy and a marriage. Then there's level three which is the highest point of intimacy that we can actually ever obtain as human beings. That's between our creator, God, and who created us, you and me, through his original design. It involves a lot of spiritual intimacy, a lot of it, and can manifest physically, certainly through the Holy Spirit at times. But intimacy is so important at all levels as we live and breathe here on planet Earth. There's three, I'm working in threes today. There's three ingredients to intimacy that I have found in my life. There are many, maybe more, but these are the three crucial ones that I have found through my life. One, vulnerability. Two, trust. And three, proximity. Those are the three main ingredients that create intimacy at any of those levels, pretty much. So let's talk about me. Don't say amen, family. Let's talk about me. So have I struggled with intimacy growing up? Well, yeah, very much so. And I'm still working daily to understand this, this, this need and desire of intimacy in my life. You know, as many of you, I had to grow up, right? And through growing up, those experiences of whatever I lived through uh, formulated, as I said earlier, what intimacy was for me. Loving parents, you just saw one of them, right? My parents were a loving home. My dad comes from on his side, and he's mentioned this before, very highly educated. They rest in their education above anything. On top of that, he had some German roots in him. So you can imagine how expressive and prioritizing intimacy was for him growing up, right? Well, as we know, as us children grow up to be parents, sometimes that can trickle down into what we do in life, unintentionally or intentionally. My mom's side was a little bit more gearing toward nurturing and intimacy, as you could know if you would hear her talk, right? She was a mom to me, but growing up in my teens and teen years in, in that area, I would take her invitation for intimacy between a mom and a child as dependency at times. And in that thought, which was incorrect in my mindset, I would back away in some points. It was just a mom to her kids trying to be intimate. Now that's grown over time, we're doing a lot better, but it was my fault in that. As that first ingredient, I said, you have to be vulnerable to welcome intimacy or to give it. It took me a while to cancel the uh, subscription I had to Smart Men Magazine where it said weekly that intimacy was a weakness in one's relationship. I'm just kidding. There's no Smart Men magazine, okay? 
But it took me a while to figure that out because that's what I was learning in my life, not from my parents, but my, from my own understanding. And then pride came in at some point. Why do I need to be intimate? You know, it wasn't huge in the sense of no baggage claim to blame, but in the reality, I was, I was co- so confident in myself that I didn't need intimacy. So therefore, growing up through my life, I didn't have a lot of deep friendships not that I was a great guy to hang out, but just I didn't have any dream friendships or anything. They were pretty surface levels. And certainly my relationships were not that deep growing up. But over time, I understood slowly that strength and confidence that I thought I had really only comes from being intimate with somebody else. Whether at level one, level two, and oh my God, level three, Right? I would answer the question a lot in growing up. You guys are looking at me like I had a psychological problem here. This is just me growing up. I, I would grow up saying I'm fine. How many of us answer that word? We have a joke in our family. If you keep saying you're fine for so many period of times and somebody asks you, you're probably not fine, right? But it was something I just grew up with slowly and slowly. I want to read a definition that I found a few years ago that's very powerful. Uh, the name is by uh, the author uh, Janine Roth. She writes on relationship books. But here's how she boils down level one and level two of intimacy. She says, intimacy is not something just hap- that happens between two people. It is a way of being alive. At the moment, we are choosing either to reveal ourselves or to protect ourselves, to value others or, dimin- or to diminish others, to tell the truth or to hide, to dive into life or to avoid it. Intimacy is making the choice to be connected to rather than isolated from our deepest truth at the moment. That breaks it down. So when I became a Christian, it all went away. I knew how to be intimate. No, it was just the beginning of the journey, right? Over time as I I began to commit my life more to Christ and follow Christ, I found out that God wants to be intimate with me. I know we know this, but we're going to really swim in this pool today. I could cry out to God when I didn't understand or get mad at him when things didn't go as I planned. And in return, through the stillness of the Holy Spirit, he would intimately exchange my emotions for his love towards me so my prayer life grew the word of God reading the word of God grew that word in front of you on your lap at home in your phone is an invitation of so many opportunities to be intimate with God so that was me enough talking about me let's talk about you guys right (laughs) so how do we all struggle with this some of us do First of all, our cultural climate is not geared to nurturing. More friends and families and spouses are more about defending themselves than giving of themselves, right? Encouragement, support, true belief in the other person is part of that motion towards intimacy at our level one and level two. Even as Christians, even at Faith Christian Center, I'm guilty of this too. We avoid the grit of things and latch on to distractions 
that brings superficial closeness between each other in this room sometimes. Patriots, I'm guilty of that. Football, weather, whatever. And we don't do it intentionally sometimes, but it's not the deep derivative of really asking, what is this communication of value that we're doing right now? And am I really hearing you and you hearing me? Intimacy is a space where giving and receiving is exclusive. That is it. The core of intimacy is that exchange, no matter what level of intimacy you're getting in. So our ingredients that I talked about, vulnerability, we don't want to at times because it could get us hurt. Trust, because it may cost too much of my trust in you. Proximity, too much commitment. I might have to be present more. No way. Even I find it, it's not funny, it's sad, but in our culture you have some of these young guns in relationships that negate trust and believe just vulnerability and proximity is gonna get intimacy with honey. You know what I mean? And they totally think there's a fast pass to intimacy. There is no fast pass to intimacy no matter where you are in a relationship. Trust doesn't happen overnight, right? One of the other negative elements of getting into being in intimacy with somebody else on level one or two, and I kind of mentioned this earlier in my wrong assumption of my mother, is that dependency can be disguised as intimacy. We need to be careful about that. I need you, I want you, I love you, I need to be with you 24-7. You need me, I need you. My dependency helps define me. Not you. And that disguise can come at two levels. In that first level with friends or family, certainly in family. God bless family, right? Uh, Men, just a reminder, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. So, So let's talk about proximity. I look at proximity, that third ingredient. I almost look at it it, it, that it's it's a lane, you know, like a street, not a street, a lane. If you're not in it, you won't have it. It's a narrow section where you can truly focus in on that person or your God to exhort any energy you need to do to focus on that and be present. We live in a fast-paced world. We're not. Pre- I'm guilty of this. We're not present all the time. Distance can't work in intimacy. It can. I want to show you a. We are going to read scripture today. Can we go to Luke 23? I want to read this because I believe this is an example, a story that we can see, a true story of Jesus being intimate with somebody and vice versa, an equal exchange. Do we have that? Luke 23. I'll read it if I have to from here. All right. There we go. Okay. Yeah, Luke 23, 39. I'm sorry, 39 through 43. I'm going to read it, but thank you. All right. So here it is. Jesus is on the cross. One of the criminals, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed 
That is not an invitation of any intimacy about to happen. So he says, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saying yourself and to us too while you're at it. So he's trying to prove, he wants him to prove to him. But the other criminal protest, he said, don't fear God. Don't, oh, don't, <laughs> strike that guy. So kick me out. Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, that's a whole other message about fearing God. And I tremble when I just said that. Keep going. We deserve to die for our crimes. So there was vulnerability and trust starting to be established by this criminal. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, the intimate exchange he gave to the other thief at this point. I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So it wasn't a long exchange, we can think, although they were on the cross for long. But did you see that happening? That was an intimate exchange with that one thief. And in exchange, Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. Let's talk about what God says about intimacy. Intimacy, as I said earlier, was created by him, right? As we mentioned earlier. I want to show you that he made the first steps towards intimacy. Genesis 1, verse 27, a scripture we know very well. So God created human beings in his own image or likeness. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So look at that, the top of verse 27. God wanted to be intimate with us, so he created us in his own image, or some translations say likeness. Follow me right now. The only way you can be truly intimate, it has to work between two likenesses of something or someone. I should get an amen out of that. You were created in his image. So he made the first step to you to be intimate by creating you just like him in his likeness. You can't be intimate that something has no similarity of likeness to. So right then and there was his first step towards us. God desires this intimacy with his creation and he knew the only way he had to do it was create us in his likeness. I don't, yes, praise the Lord as I'm about to jump in this. I don't want to offend all you animal lovers because I am one too. I love my dog, I love my dog. But the reality is you can't be intimate with your animals. There's not a likeness. You can be affectionate with them. You can be affectionate with your dog, cat, armadillo, frog. You can, and I love animals. But you gotta understand, Fluffy is affectionate towards you because you feed it every day, most likely. Okay, and you say, well, Pastor Chris... The animal loves me 100% unconditionally. Yes, they're both selfish two-way street motives. <laughs> Intimacy is not a selfish act. I love my animals. And it's getting, <laughs> whew, it's getting a little, I was in the mall yesterday. And there's a little kiosk there of, I could get George, my dog, a, a custom hat a sweater that says he loves me. I mean, this is when we begin to elevate, it, 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 it's got to grieve God. 
Because that, that intimacy you're trying for, I'll be done in a minute. And the intimacy you're trying for with animals, it should be reflected toward God. Amen. And we love our animals. He designed them to have that affection either way, but it is not intimacy. It is not. All right, Pete, I'll move on, right? All right, here's another scripture, Psalm 91. Very well-known chapter, but we think this is, and it is, it is. It's a protection chapter. We've been quoting it for the last two years with COVID and all the fun stuff going on, but it is really an intimacy of exchange, too. Can we go to Psalm 91? It really is. And it starts right away. It doesn't fool around. Those who live in the shelter or the secret place, some other versions, of the Most High. That sounds pretty intimate to me. You're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. So you've stepped out to exchange to our God, the Most High, to dwell with Him. Here's an exchange back. You will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Keep going. This I declare... Uh, declare, this I declare about the Lord. He alone, and thank God he is, my refuge, my place, my safety. He is my God. I trust in him. Intimate exchange. For he will rescue me, rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. Keep going. He will cover you with his feathers. Uh, you got to be pretty proximity there for getting covered by the feathers. And he will shelter you with his wings, his faithful promise as your armor and protector. That's as far as we'll go today. That's fine. So you understand that. It started by you, the human, the believer in Christ, dwelling with him. I mean, we know, obviously we know the scripture in, in James, and we don't have to put that up, where it says, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. That first step. Here is a beautiful poem that King David wrote to his God. I'm going to read it because you're just going to hear just intimacy pouring out of these words. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. That seems pretty intimate. In this partridge and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love, thank you, Lord, is better than life itself. Wow. How I praise you. I praise you as long as I live. Lift my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. We can stop there. Sounds a little intimate to me, right? He knows who he's talking to, right? Jesus, we'll even put Jesus in the scene here of things. In John 17, uh, 22 through 23, this is Jesus talking to our God, right? I have given that, we know the scripture, I have given them the glory you gave me. So there was an exchange there. So that they may be one. You cannot not be intimate if you are one. That wasn't the scripture, you didn't have to go. That's, I'm, I'm sidetracking here. 
So they may be, be one as we are one, okay? I am in them and you are in me. May the experience, they experience such perfect unity that the world will know them that you have sent me and that you love them as much as you. So here is Jesus saying, I've given the glory you've given me, that intimate exchange, and I am one as we are one. There's intimacy that has to be there. So we're talking between God, Jesus, and us. I mean, another example of of intimacy, and Pastor John's talking about this too, you know, the Israelites in in the wilderness and Moses. Israelites knew God. Moses knew his way, God's ways so much that God could trust him when he went up on a mountain to just see a part of God's glory. That God wanted to be with him as best as he could, that he met him on a mountain. And now throughout the whole Bible, prophets and different fathers of faith, they knew how to get intimate with God, but then there's a level where you split, swim in a deeper, deeper pool because what they end up doing is beholding their God throughout the Bible, beholding. Many of you prayer warriors know what beholding God is about. God allows us to behold him. It may not be all in a physical way, although it can get very overwhelming into the natural sometimes, but when we behold him, we are truly not seeing him for what he's done in our life and what he will continue to do, but for who he is and the fear of the Lord. And that immenseness, oh, I've had it maybe once or twice in my life. It is paralyzing in a good way. But that's part of the deep pool of swimming and in intimacy with God. In beholding him, your worries are gone. Any addictions can't even be in front of beholding a God that loves you. Healing is manifested when you're beholding them. Face to face, you cannot leave unchanged. You can't. This is God's part, part of God's biggest part of intimacy. Being intimate with God really is the pinnacle of any relationship we can ever experience. Giving to something from yourself, coming to a position of likeness in the image of his design that he designed you for. So what should we do about this? What's our response? You know, now we find that God is very much into intimacy and due to our human nature, we haven't had a full picture sometimes in these different levels of relationships. A good starting place, like we were just saying, is to seek intimacy with God. Most of it comes in those quiet times, quiet moments throughout a day, not just in a prayer closet, that is fantastic, but, but being intimate with, with him should be a way of life 24-7, but it's those quiet moments that you can get, exchange of talking to him, and then things we sometimes don't really do all the times, listen to him, because he wants to talk, that's part of that exchange. Listen to this. If you are concerned, he will not accept you in this vulnerability, proximity, trust, intimacy, laying it all on the line because you've had a bad day or it's just who you think you are. Listen, 
the acceptance from God will come when you step out because it has, if it's your free will, it is already the merit for him to accept you. It's deep, I know. So my free will, if I offer that a sacrifice to God to be an intimate, I am already accepted because he designed that free will to be used for this purpose, willingly. So no matter what kind of day I had, if I am offering my free will to be close to God, I am accepted no matter what. Transparency is so important to God. He knows where you are and the condition that we're in, but laying it at the altar, he can begin to exchange it for his love towards you. Pastor John said this in January. Ask the question, are you closer to Jesus in your relationship in 2000? end of 2021 than 2020 is there a growing going on emotions are a big part of our intimacy it allows us to express ourselves be emotion for his be emotional for his sake when you want to be intimate with him cry out to him be real with him god will even trust you more as the intimacy increases so he can work in and through you more it starts in intimacy starts in intimacy Here's the biggest takeaway from today. As your intimacy grows with God, it will automatically, organically, whatever other word we can use, enhance the intimacy with the other relationships you have in your life, level one and level two. So as that intimacy keeps growing, it has to affect other areas. It has to. Intimacy between married couples Emotional up and downs may get healthier. Sex is a great benefit in marriage, right? But at the end of the day, it's really serving one another in that act. Again, that's intimacy, serving one another. Also, your auditorial, I didn't get an amen for men, okay. The auditorial, you know, the audible benefits too, you'll be listening and speaking more with your spouse, there's another plane, another level where you're hearing each other more and more in intimacy. And then that trust will continue to grow that will carry into other areas of your marriage. I haven't got it down pack. I'm just saying it. I'm, I'm working through this. But when intimacy is at the core of things, there's less space in a marriage for control, dependency, and other fun stuff that kind of inhibits us from being close. So how can it work in friends and family, right? That it only can benefit. I will increase the value in my friends and family because the closeness that I begin to have because of my God is increasing, my intimacy with my God, because I can step out more and give more of myself to invite intimacy. Because at the end of the day, my dependency is not in a person here, but in whom I trust in. Satan hates intimacy, because of the power of that closeness of being one. Satan would rather have us on an isolation island of misfit toys where we're all separated, all thinking that what I'm going through is what I'm going through and nobody can understand. He does not want us to be intimate. A good sign if, you're kind of, if you are growing in intimacy towards your friends and family you become more accepting of one another, of who God made us to be. Let me, add, let me add that, of who God made us to be. 
And where we don't understand in friendship, we let love fill in the cracks. Just let it fill in when we don't understand. We will do more to help each other find our full potentials in Christ through our friendships if we have greater intimacy. We can listen, 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 listen towards intimacy actually more when people are talking to you. Exciting. So let's talk about what can we do as a church to be more intimate uh, towards God and collectively towards ourselves. We know this for a lot of mature Christians. God wants you to be planted in a church. Some may not agree with that, whether at FCC you be planted or wherever else, because that is where you're going to grow and flourish. That is where you're going to... If you're not planted, your likelihood of being part of something is diminished because you're uprooted here and there. It's so important. FCC's uh, mission, as we know, hopefully, is reaching, teaching, connecting as a church community. That reaching and connecting leads to intimacy between one another, which is a God design through each other. But I know there's barriers, right? I'm an introvert. There's barriers. Most of the barriers are are because we have a past of experiences and people have disappointed us, right? I'm not a prophet, but I will prophesy that people will continue to disappoint you. It's just part of peoplehood, right? It's just who, things will happen. And somebody say, well, Pastor Chris, I, gave, you know, I reached out to somebody in our church and they rejected me. Focus on me, right? but they rejected me. And that can happen. Those are honest things that can hurt us when we try and build closeness amongst each other. But I'm always reminded when I get rejected, there's this time where, this, where Jesus was on the earth and his closeness with his father, as we kind of talked about it earlier in Luke, uh, was immense. I mean, he was intimate with his God, doing what he said. Uh, everything was going great. They were one, they were together. He spent 40 nights you know, with God being, t- you know, getting out in the wilderness even though he was tested. So there was a, hu- a really big intimacy with, with Jesus and his father and we know that. So here he goes to Calvary. <clears throat> Puts your sin and my sin on him. That had to be pretty painful. But that was just the beginning as he's boring our sins on that cross. God ended up having to reject him on that cross. So never mind the sin. My father, who I was intimate with, with all the years of my life, Jesus is saying, he's abandoned me on that cross. He had to because of sin. So if I get rejected by Aunt Martha and Sally Surite and whatever... You know, it hurts, but it's not eternal is what my God, my Jesus went through and was rejected for us. It wasn't for him. Some other barriers of why we may not be close to one another in this room. Again, I'm an introvert. We don't see church beyond 9.30 and hopefully 11 a.m. today. Nothing beyond it. I already have friends. I don't need no church folks. 
There's no desire to bend an ear towards one another, to hear and dive in further than, how you doing? I'm fine. (laughs) I know it's very possible because just at the beginning when I got up here, you guys gave almost $2,800 to an individual you don't even know who I talked about. It's that, that connection of getting into intimacy. Yes, that was through finances, but where your heart is is where your treasure is. So you've, I applaud you. That was fantastic. So it can be done as a church community becoming more intimate with each other. There's great potential. We are, it boils down, we are basically here for something bigger than ourselves. God, Right? And in that likeness of what we talked about earlier of us, that should be the potential. That should be the potential to be able to relate to one another because we're here for something bigger than ourselves. I'm not talking about feeling obligated to help somebody who's very dependent. But if you run into a person in this room or online that's very dependent, pray for them. Don't complain about them. Everybody's got a story, everybody's somewhere. Love was designed to need a target. That's the way God created it. I know in the culture we heard, I think last year or the year before with culture redefining everything, um, they said, love is love. Well, if you say love is love, then there's no origination of love and it was not authored by love. It, It was not offered, love is not itself. It came from an author, a creation, and that is God. And so when God did that, he created only love to be something. When love is love, it is actually has to have a target, if that makes sense. So love is not love on its own. It needs God to be a part of it. You have the love of Christ in you, each and every one of you. It's looking for a target, and that's you and me. You and me. I'm not done leaning in. Some of you only come for church just to get something. A message right now, me blabbing away, whatever. Just you're here just to get a message. Church is so much more than that. That's just a little part of that. Imagine if we all together strive to be closer as Christ followers and the healthiness of relationships, how we could impact our own little worlds each day in our workplace. It has to spill over, as I said earlier. And not just in a supporting, invo- supporting action. You know, I support you, brother. I support you, sister. That is very important. But how about sharing an intimacy? We've done it before. It's called sharing your testimony. So when I'm sharing my testimony, there should be an intimate connection starting because you have a likeness of maybe, maybe not exactly what I'm going through or what I've come through, but you can hear and, and, and have sympathy or apathy for that. So shared experiences, we need to share our experiences, our testimony. But not even that, we need to share share in sharing, basically. If we have things to do, like get in our community, go to doorways or Prance Rescue Mission or things we have events here, we can also get intimate when we're sharing these experiences together as well, too. I'm always thinking, and we know this, uh, you have like four, it doesn't matter the number, well, maybe four or five strangers walk into an elevator. They're focused on where they're going. About two, three floors in, the elevator stops. 
two, three hours, the elevator has not moved. I would pose to you that intimacy began to grow in that little space over two or three hours because they had a shared experience, good or bad. I mean, just look at militaries. We honor the military. You have people coming from all walks of life across in the U.S., coming from different states, not knowing each other. But when they're on that battlefield and they've gone through an experience, there's a bond, there's an intimacy that goes beyond that experience. So sharing experiences is, is important, especially in a church community. <laughs> Jesus said earlier in Luke, he said, the world will know us by how we commune and love one another again I'm an introvert I want to quickly speak to uh, those folks that have lost spouses because today could be a little tough at some point and then we have Valentine's Day tomorrow those who have lost a spouse that level two and I would think the level three of friendship too is, is gone physically And I can't imagine that at all. I cannot. And it's easy for me to say, grow more in God, get more intimate with him, and all that will go away. It may not. But what I do know is God wants to pour out his heart towards you than you've ever experienced by any human person ever in your life. He wants to open his heart to you. And that even to never say, forget about memories, live in those memories of your spouse, but let God be with you through those memories too. And as a church community, we need to be here there, be here for you. One thousand percent. In Psalms it says, God is the father to the fatherless, a defender to the widows. It's on his heart. Right? So as a church community, how can we so we've talked Horizontal. Let's talk vertically. How can we vertically together come together to be intimate more with God? He longs for corporate togetherness. That's why he has church come together, never forsake the, of the saints. But how can we together do this? We already pretty much do it at the beginning of every service. It's in our worship time that collectively Individually, we come together to collectively focus and worship our God. It creates almost, a, in biblical terms, a sweet aroma of praise. He longs for this, to do that. And it gives God an opportunity to move through us as well, through the Holy Spirit, when corporately we are worshiping Him. Am I keeping somebody up? Sorry, I'm almost done, Paul. Love you, man. Some of you may not know how to worship in here. There's a YouTube video. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Seriously, some of you may not know how to worship in here. It doesn't start with the mouth. It starts with the heart. And position your heart. And Psalms, it says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. But I would implore you, if you are not worshiping during our worship, and it has nothing to do with the music, the Holy Spirit wants to drop a bomb in here. 
but he wants unity in worship. So I would encourage you to get intimate with your God. Take advantage of the times when we're worshiping in here. It starts with the harp, but just move your mouth. If you can't sing, don't worry. It's still a sound of joy to God, I think. You know? But it is, it really is. But you're missing out on the total experience and opportunity of church if you're not worshiping if you're not worshiping. He loves you so much. He wants to get you into his presence. And as a corporate and community of believers, the sky's the limit when we in unison worship our Lord. We're gonna practice that. Yeah, I wanna, for those who don't know how to worship, you're gonna get a good opportunity in a minute. I know some of you may have to leave, but, or maybe not have to, but want to. But I want to get in worship for a minute. I really do. And we're going to sing a song that I think is on my heart that it's a no-brainer how to get into worship. I, I spoke last week in Romans where there, there, therefore now is no condemnation for those who love the Lord. No matter where you, what you came in with today, burdens. Yeah, please stand. Can we stand? Burdens worries, anxiety. Leave it at the cross as you begin to worship. Leave it at the cross as you begin to worship. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And that will open up an opportunity to begin to be intimate with your father who's paid a big price to be with you. He has. He almost bankrupt heaven. I just want to sing this song, and I, Pastor Ray, thank you. Um, just a few times before we wind down here. But just be honest and just open up and sing. You, this is a no-brainer song. It's called, I Love You, Lord. Can we begin with that? Yeah, thank you. Mm. Starts with the heart and then the mouth.
more time. We're not done. Come on. I love you more, and I live my voice. into worship right now you've got some homework when you come back next week because this song you can sing in your car you can sing anywhere where you are at the spur of any moment he loves you so much he's there just a breath away when you begin to sing when you begin to sing thank you Father for all you've done in our lives all you've done in our lives. Let our intimacy continue to grow towards you more and more to a point where we are able to behold you and be overwhelmed by your presence, Father God, where things in our lives have to be burnt because it can't be between you and I, Father God. Hold us when you need to hold us, Lord. Correct us when you need to correct us.